0: I'm not a a nerd with that by any means, but I'm very much a person who likes charts and graphs as as it pertains especially to the church and the trends in the church. I try to pay attention to the trends because it's those trends that kind of help us understand where the church is headed or maybe where we need to be heading instead. And uh, the Barna group is one of those groups that that put out a lot of the data for the churches uh, um, in our culture And it's led by a man named George Barna. And they just put out a a report in August um, regarding the American church. And Barna reveals that while 69% of American adults identify as Christian, only 6% actually have a biblical worldview. So if 69% of American adults identify as a Christian... Only 6% of them have a biblical worldview. Some of these worldviews are that all religions are equal. That it doesn't matter what religion you are, it's, it's fine. Some of it is that the Holy Spirit is not a personal being. You can hear this in people's language sometimes, and sometimes it's by accident, but other times it's on purpose, where people people will say things like, it, while describing the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a living being. He is here. Other things is that people can earn their way to heaven by being good. This is permeating the church. All but 6%. Beliefs that majorities of people in this category reject also include the idea that Jesus is the only person who can save them. They reject that. All but 6%. Or that marriage should be between one man and one woman. All but 6% reject that idea. And that the premarital sex is wrong. All but 6% reject that idea. Church, there's something wrong. There's something terribly wrong. We need leaders who will stand on truth. We need leaders who will understand that without the Bible and the truth in the Bible, the church will die. The local church. The church will always be around. But local bodies, and we're seeing this every day. Churches closing their doors, and during the COVID pandemic lockdown, that increased uh, substantially. Churches that are splitting over doctrinal issues that shouldn't be an issue because the Bible gives us the guidance. There's no reason to argue over certain things because The Bible says what it says and we just need to obey. But when we have leaders in the churches that refuse to take the Bible at what it says or refuse to teach things that are hard, you have people who take different worldviews. There are two things in this world that will influence a person. That's the church or the culture. If you don't allow the church to influence you, The culture will. But what happens when the church looks just like the culture around you? I'm not saying that every church should always sing traditional hymns or every church should always have this kind of pew or this kind of glass in their windows or that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sticking to the Bible. Because I don't know if you knew this, but the Bible says nothing about how our churches have to look aesthetically, does it? Our buildings not a single time. In fact, rarely did they have buildings. They met in each other's homes. I had a pastor that I was working with in Idaho when I was the youth pastor there, and he used to get his hair cut by uh, one of the Church of Christ uh, members that was non-instrumental Church of of Christ. And he the, the the barber knew what Steelman did as a living and where he was and as as a as a pastor, and so uh, he would chastise Steelman all the time, saying, "I can't believe you guys use instruments for your worship because they sing a cappella. They don't do any piano, no organ, no guitars, no nothing. And they believe traditionally that the that Jesus didn't give us permission to use them, so we can't." So Steelman one day sat in a barber chair as he was getting a haircut, and he said, something escapes me, but when did Jesus give us permission to have carpet in our church buildings? When did Jesus give us permission to have indoor plumbing in our church buildings? Oh, the pew thing. Yeah, that's it. No, that's not in there either. You see, we've got to teach the Bible for what it is. We've got to teach and lead through scripture, not through man's opinions or feelings. What does the Bible say? And we need leaders who will do that. We need leaders that will lead with grace and truth through the trials that we face. We need leaders who know how to follow Jesus. Not leaders who who are popular or well-liked or whatever, but are Followers of Christ in their lives show that. Last week, we talked about the noble task of biblical eldership. We went through each of the qualifications one by one, looking at what it really meant. Remember, though, that although we're talking about eldership, we're not we're not looking at these principles as just saying, okay, I want you to be an elder, I want you to be an elder. This is something that all of us should be paying attention to. Now, these are These qualifications are principles that are great ideas for all believers to practice. So whether you're a man seeking to be an elder. Or you're a woman just seeking to be the best possible witness you can. Or a kid trying to figure out your faith. It's right here. It's right here. So may you understand today that we are all created with purpose, man or woman, elder or not, we have a calling in this life. My prayer is that we see this message as a personal challenge to each and every one of us. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would bless this message. Help us to have Ears to hear and hearts to see. Help us, Father, to learn these truths and then to obey. Lord, this is your church. Every one of us in here, every one of us online, every one of us on the phone call need to realize this is your church. So teach us to be obedient to what you'd have us do. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for giving us life. It's your name we pray. Amen. If you have Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to be verses 1 through 4 this morning, continuing in our series of biblical leadership, we're starting the last week on elders. This is elders part 3. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4 says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, Peter addresses the elders by telling them to lead and to lead well. For some reason, I get that there's this this importance on this. Don't you, when you read that? Don't you gather that there's something special here that, that needs to be taking place? But oftentimes, this idea of being an elder is is not handled with the utmost respect, or it's not looked to by the congregants as something that's that special. But the Bible places a different emphasis, doesn't it? That the office of an elder is to be looked at with respect. In fact, one of the reasons we have church membership is that the Bible teaches that When you are part of a church, you submit to the leadership of the elders. So if you're never a member of a church, who are you supposed to submit to? It's the church elders that are supposed to bring church discipline. It's the church elders that are supposed to protect the flock from the wolves outside or inside. It's the church elders who are to stand firm. On the Bible, even if it's not a popular thing. Stand firm on the mission, even if it's not a popular mission. You see, it's a noble task to shepherd the flock of God. The Bible often compares leading with shepherding sheep. David even mentioned this in in Psalm 23 when he says, The Lord is my what? Shepherd, Shepherd, right? Jesus even calls himself the good shepherd in John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Through Peter, we see that elders are to shepherd the flock of God as they follow the great shepherd. So there you are. Essentially, that's all we're going to talk about today. So I guess we can we can be done this morning. Not so fast. We got a lot more. Shepherding the flock of God is their purpose. But what does this look like? What does it mean to shepherd the flock? If you know anything about shepherding, especially in biblical times or or the times of the ancient Near East, you know that it was a very dangerous job. It was very dangerous because you had the charge of protecting all the sheep, and oftentimes it was maybe one or two of you. There was always, a, a, a as, you, as you brought your sheep to different grazing points, they had to build a makeshift pen that they would bring all the sheep into at night to, to sleep. And I don't know if you know this, but a shepherd, a good shepherd, would lay himself across the entranceway at night to protect the sheep. So if a wild animal, a lion, a wolf, or whatever would come in to try to get the sheep, they had to go through him first. And it's amazing to me that that's the same picture that the scriptures draw as the job of an elder. is to be the first in line to protect his people. To make sure that the things that are being taught are biblical. To make sure that each other are teaching and, and leading in a biblical manner. To make sure that the people are loving one another. Because I'm promising you something. Something. Satan, when he attacks the church, doesn't attack it from the outside. Yeah, we have a lot of influences outside. He'll destroy it from right in here. With its own people. That's the most effective way. So it's the elder's responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen. So what does it look like to protect the flock, to shepherd the flock? The first thing is we need to protect them. We protect them from false teachers. Acts 20, 28 through 30 says this. Be careful, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You didn't make yourself overseers, did you? No. It isn't even the congregation who who votes you in or who nominates you. It's the Holy Spirit that makes you an overseer. So pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. This isn't our church. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. He purchased it. He started it. It's his. We are here to do his will and to grow his church. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Where is Satan attacking the church? Right with So the elders must protect them. They must be in the word so that they can refute the false teachers, the lies, the gossips, the, the, the slander. Titus 1.9 tells us he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. Not as you want to hear it, but he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So part of protecting the flock as an elder is to understand what God's word actually teaches and to be willing to. To give instruction in that sound doctrine and also to rebuke. And that word rebuke is actually a pretty harsh word. To rebuke means to stand against and to put a stop to. To rebuke those who contradict it. To protect the flock. An elder must be spiritually alert and courageous. Just a little bit ways down in 1 Peter, we have be self controlled and alert. For the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So an elder must always be spiritually alert and courageous. An elder must study, he must pray, and he must fight injustice. You can't just be an elder who studies can't just be an elder who prays, and you can't be just an elder who just rebukes and fights injustice. You have to be engulfed ingra- in all of those. You're an elder that prays, you're an elder that studies, and you're an elder that fights injustice. Because you have to protect the flock. To be spiritually alert and courageous means you must be in tune with the will of God. That you must have a direction in which you're going. Folks, we can't just do church just to have church. That's what the church has done for years, and and churches that do that for years don't get anywhere. We have to have a mission in our church. A goal, an end goal. Every year for myself, I sit down and I set goals for myself, personally, my family, and my church family. And, I, and I, where do we want to be at the end of the year? Where do we want to be in two years, five years, eight years? You see, we've got to have a marker to, to go to. If we're just here to do church, then that's all we're ever going to do. And what's the point? What is the words Jesus tells the church at the end of Matthew? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them. So after you baptize them in the Lord, after they come to Jesus and you baptize them in the Lord, you don't just let them go. Good luck. Have fun. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Church, if we're not doing that, there's no point. There's no point. If the souls in our community are not important to us, then all we've become is about ourselves. And so the elders must be in tune with God's will and the power of his spirit as we chase what God has told us to do. Lastly, we need to feed them. You don't just protect your sheep. A shepherd just didn't protect them. He made sure there was water, there was food, so that they could be sustained. This doesn't mean a weekly potluck, although that would be kind of cool. This means to spiritually... Feed them. To make sure that what we teach, what is allowed to be taught, is going to be good for them. This means that as an eldership, we come alongside people and we make sure that there's an environment for them to be able to learn in. That there's plenty of time for teaching to be taking place. And that it isn't just done right here on a Sunday morning, but it's done on a Wednesday night. It's done on a Tuesday night. It's done on a Friday night. However it is, we have to feed them. And you can even go with this in your family. Parents, you need to feed your children. Not just in a physical sense, but Spiritually. Grandparents, feed your grandkids. I'm standing on stage right now because of my grandfather. He invested in my life. He fed me. Feed. This is a huge responsibility. Every elder basically, in biblical stance, in a biblical um, view, Every elder was required to teach. No question. You had to be able to teach. So every elder in the modern church should be teaching. Teaching Sunday school, leading a small group, teaching a Bible study, preaching every now and again. Jesus was a teacher. didn't know that. (laughs) I'm sure if you read enough of the New Testament, you'll find that out pretty quickly. Jesus was a teacher, and he taught people to obey everything he taught. It wasn't just, here, I'm going to teach this. You guys kind of do with it what you want. I don't know how how it makes you feel. Go ahead and obey if you feel good about it. If you don't, that's okay. You don't find that in the Word, do you? Jesus says to go and sin no more. Jesus says that man cannot live on bread alone, but by what? Every word of God. So Jesus taught. In Matthew 28, he taught that we are to go and make disciples and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. He says, Jesus tells Peter to what? Feed his sheep in John twenty-one seventeen, The apostles were teachers. And the people were devoted to their teachings, Acts 2.42, and the people met daily in their homes and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread. It was one of the qualifications that we talked about last week. Teach, feed the people. But people, it's up to you to eat. In my career as a minister, I've, I've heard many times, I'm just not being fed. Folks, if you're in a Bible-believing church and the Bible is being taught, you're being fed, you're just not eating. Christianity is not a buffet. You can't pick and choose the things you want to eat. I get to do that when I go to a buffet. There are things on a buffet I don't like. So I have the the... the the great opportunity because I paid so much to be there. I try to avoid buffets, by the way, as much as possible, but I have the the privilege of being able to say, I don't want to eat that. So I'm going to eat this church. When the Bible is being served, you don't have a choice. You need to eat. Even if you don't understand, or you don't understand why, or you have those questions, you still need to eat because it's nourishment for your soul. It's okay to have questions. But let it permeate your heart and your mind. Think on it. Study it. Get those questions answered. Believers mature by the word of God and what the spirit does through it. We just don't become a Christian one day and say, well, I'm mature now. No, 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 no. You just started. In fact, Paul addresses this. He talks about being baby Christians or in the elemental teachings of the word that you need to graduate from that and get in from the milk to the the solid food. You need to grow. The elder must teach it and help guide people through it just as a shepherd would lead his sheep to water or food. The elder is to do that. One of the guys that I look up to uh, for biblical eldership is an author and pastor by the name of Alexander Strauch. In fact, it's a book I'm taking our elders through right now called Biblical Eldership. This is what he says. He says, the failure of church elders to know and teach the Bible is one of the chief reasons doctrinal error floods churches today and drowns the power and life of the church. So can any man just be an elder? I don't care if you've been a deacon for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. Any man just cannot be an elder. They have to be qualified. And one of the qualifications is to be able to feed the sheep. To know the word of God. Eldership is about leadership. Eldership is about Leadership that is seen by people. Eldership is about leadership that guides. Eldership is about being able to follow Jesus as you expect others to follow you. To lead the people in the ways of God has planned for them. That's what eldership is. To be in tune with his will. It's men who seek first the kingdom of God. David's words in Psalm 23, 1-3 say it best. You know this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus is the great shepherd. And he is the one that leads us. So if you cannot follow the great shepherd, you cannot shepherd others. Eldership is about men who allow God to be their shepherd. Really, that is what Christianity is all about. Who leads you? Is it God? Billy Graham used to say, you can tell somebody's God by looking at their checkbook. A lot of truth of that, isn't there? Who leads? is your God. We must allow him to lead us, Jesus. And as he leads us, we lead others. Paul says, follow me as I what? Follow Christ. What's Paul giving permission to everybody to do? To follow him as long as he's following Jesus. It's truly a noble task to be an elder and it's a noble task to walk in the ways of Jesus so i challenge you all to lead as god has asked you to lead whatever you are in what whatever you are doing in your life whether you're a parent or you're a grandparent or you're an elder you're a deacon whatever you are lead as you follow someone is watching you. So lead well. Surrender your life to the good shepherd. Protect the ones you lead. Feed the sheep. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you for giving us all that we need in your word. There is no more, there is no less. Everything we are to be is to be guided by your spirit through your word. So God, help us to be that. Help us to be obedient to what your word says. Help us, God, to live according to what your word says. Help us, God, to lead with what your word says. Lord, again, this life is about loving you and loving others. It has very little to do with our personal wants and desires. It has everything to do with who you are and what you've done and that message of the good news to be spread to those who don't know you. We want to be that church, God. Help us. Guide us. We love you and we thank you, Jesus, so much for your grace that covers us every step of the way.